Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to a special episode, special episode. Oh, what a beautiful way to start today. A special episode of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, and joining me today are two of my favorite compatriots here at yahoo that's right i said it two of my favorites and i mean it scott pianowski and dalton deldon the goal of today's show is basically to make as many predictions hopefully accurate and smart ones uh before the start of the 2021 nfl season but guys how's it it going here on this beautiful i can't tell you what day this is because maybe the pod is (laughs) pre-recorded what's going on matt what's going on scott i'm doing great man I would love to update you guys, by the way. I don't know if I've potted with any of you in the last couple of um, last like three weeks or so, but I'm no longer sitting on a step stool. I've got myself an actual chair here. Um, So we're really moving closer towards adulthood, just like we are clearly moving closer towards the NFL season. But before we get started on our show today, I got to make sure to let everybody out there know to sign up for a fantasy league with us at Yahoo. And if you really want an edge over your league mates this year, give Yahoo Fantasy Plus a spin. We've got a trade hub, the research assistant, cheat sheets, all sorts of deeper extra features on top of everything you already know and love from Yahoo Fantasy. Sign up for a league today and get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Boys, let's waste no extra time. Basically, what we're going to do today is go through a few wide-ranging categories and basically offer our prediction for each of these. Some of them, the producer, John, made up, and some of them I made up, little weird categories here. I'm not. We're not going to do like the standard, who's your fantasy MVP pick, or who's your this, that, or the other. We're going to go, you know, some, some basic stuff, but maybe some deeper stuff as well. But let's just dive right into it, and let's start with, Top fantasy players by position. This one is a rather chalky category. And let's just go with quarterbacks first. And and Scott, I'll I'll throw it to you to start. If you could give me one quarterback off the top, I would take Mahomes. But I certainly see the case for Josh Allen because I think they're going to throw the ball like crazy. And he still has that rushing upside. Uh, But Mahomes remains number one on my board. Mahomes has become Mike Trout. It's boring to say Patrick Mahomes (laughs) is the best player in football, but he's the best player in football. And he's got... Reed, he's got Kelsey, he's got Tyree Kill. Nobody needs to be talked into Patrick Mahomes, certainly not me. Dalton, how about you? I agree that Mahomes is safer, but I actually do have Josh Allen as my number one QB on my board. Uh, it's just the rushing. I mean, Mahomes does not rush as much, and Mahomes, uh, Allen will give you the eight scores on the ground each year, and Dable is still there calling the plays. They just throw it so, so frequently. So I like Josh Allen by a hair. Yeah, I don't like alter too much for established guys in the preseason, but I mean, seeing the way... 
in the final Bills preseason game that they basically just went so pass heavy, so much no huddle, so much quick tempo, everything like that, so much shotgun in terms of their passing offense. That really did kind of push me to, to feel even better if I could have possibly felt better about Josh Allen. Like, if they keep up that style of play calling, Dalton, they, Josh Allen's going to go like absolutely berserk this year. I couldn't have been more wrong about him last year, too. I was out on him, ranked him low, and wow. I mean, I picked him to win MVP this year. I mean, the Bills are the uh, probably going to win the AFC. I mean, I'm a full believer. He's the real deal. He's a superstar. And fantasy, the fact he's such a beast at the goal line, I mean, you have it. it's the best of both worlds. I'm glad you brought up MVP. Um, our colleague, Frank Schwab, who I'm going to be doing a gambling podcast with this year, we did a recent nice. piece on some of our favorite props, and the, he led that off with Josh Allen should be your MVP ticket. That the, between the, his upside and the price, he's not the favorite, although he's probably the second or third favorite. That the price, the market has not overcorrected on Allen. You can still get some good value there. Yeah, I love that call. Um, and for me, I my, my top pick is Mahomes at the position. Allen's number two for me. But I do want to throw this out to you guys. About a month ago, I, and I guess this was mildly bold, but in like the ultimate, like, maybe parmesan garlic of the of the heat scale in terms of wing sauces bold you know like i had lamar jackson as my qb1 you know about like a, a month ago but at this point it's kind of impossible to put him there just because you were counting on him getting back to the efficiency of his 2019 passing season but with rashad bateman on ir like you know he's going to miss the first three weeks now at least i guess if he's going to be on ir you know marquise brown's barely practiced um, it's like Sammy Watkins is their number one and what like James Proche, uh, James Proche is their number two, something like that with those injuries there. It's kind of impossible. And even JK Dobbins like takes down, I think the efficiency of the offense just slightly. It's tough. You really can't have Lamar there at this point. Everything's gone wrong for them this summer, other than Jackson himself getting hurt. Um, I've found myself warming up to Mark Andrews at cost. And the tight end market, this is finally the Same. year. I think he's going to get 110, 120 targets. He's never been over 100 in a season. But yeah, if, if they had a healthy Bateman, if they had Hollywood Brown smashing all summer, yeah, I mean, it's not that established players like Brown need the camp so much, but you don't want them to have a total washout camp like he did. So I'm just a long way of saying I, I'm just agreeing with you. I'm nodding over here. I hear you. The injuries suck, but Lamar Jackson was still number one in fantasy points per drop back last year. So I have him in. The, I have those four guys. Even if Dak Prescott's healthy, I have him right there too. Those four, my tier one, and I think any of them could finish number one, including Lamar Jackson. Even his situation, given his situation, man, the guy he's the best runner in the NFL right now, arguably. I mean, even including including running backs. I mean, I mean, the man's awesome. Run is so 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 good runner. Yeah, he's like a straight-up lock for 1,000 rushing yards. I mean, he didn't even play a full season last year, and he didn't have his, great, his best year. He still got 1,000 on the ground. I still have him in my top tier. I just pushed him down from one to three. You know what, though? I, I still find myself buying in the second tier. I still find myself gravitating towards the Herbert price, towards – and read that Mina Kimes, great piece on, on Justin Herbert, introvert, a misunderstood middle child. I, that really hit home with me. And yeah. Russell Wilson, I want to believe that Russell Wilson has finally Me found too. a coach who's going to not get in the way, not call 100 running plays in a row with Shane Waldron. So I find Herbert and Wilson have been the, my favorite values. If you still want a quarterback who could be the number one quarterback, but you don't want to pay the tier one price, I find myself shopping in that, that basket. Especially Wilson. I echo everything you just said there. I'm, I'm, I have him in my second tier and, and very confidently take him in Superflex or even one QB leagues when all those other like top tier guys are gone. All right, let's move on to running back. This is, I mean, anybody have anybody different than McCaffrey at one and Cook at two? 
Anyone? Let's start this anyone? at three. Start this at number three. Yeah, let's that's where, start this that's where the discussion is, right? All right. So, Scott, where do you have who do you have at three? Ezekiel Elliott. I'm buying the oldest, the, the biggest trick in the book, best <laughs> shape of his life. And I'm hoping that Dak Prescott is at least 90%. And this offense is just going to be in scoring position constantly. The defense won't be so great. I would not fight you if you want to take Derrick Henry there. I'm a little bit nervous about Kamara. I know a lot of people take Kamara at three. And I like Nick Chubb more than most people. I have him at six. Some people don't even think he's a first-round pick. But wow. right now on the clock, I will take Elliott at three. Dalton, how about you? Because I'm with Scott. I've got I've got Zeke at three. And, you know, it's been sort of a journey. I, I feel like, Dalton, you and I did a podcast at the um, like the end of the season, basically both of us being like, Ain't no way I'm taking Zeke like in 2021, man. Like not gonna happen, uh, yada yada. And like here I've come full circle, and I would confidently take him at three. And even with some of like the the non ideal reports about Dak over the summer, Dalton, do you differ at all? So I won't push back on Zeke. He's still my number four. I'm gonna hype the Cowboys throughout this podcast. I I, I love him. No, no problem there. And I was actually gonna argue Jonathan Taylor. Here because I think he's safer than people think, not just the, the higher ceiling, yeah. but safer. But for me, the number three player, uh, it's funny because I've been scared off by the 21 touchdowns last year for some reason. But Alvin Kamara, given the situation, I mean, with Winston winning the job, I know Taysom Hill could still steal the goal line scores that come in mid game. That could be a problem. But with Winston winning the job and no Michael Thomas, I think Kamara is just looking at by far his biggest workload of his career and establish the run has that offensive line is the number one in football. Mm -hmm. I'm actually closer to moving Kamara ahead of Dalvin Cook, who's good for two missed games Mm. than I am below three. So in PPR, full PPR, I mean, how do you turn down the guy who's guaranteed to get you 80 catches? And that's before he's going to be treated to an all time high workload. So I'm warming up to Kamara more and more. Yeah, I uh, actually am in a draft right now, and Kamara went ahead of Cook. Uh, I think for the it's a super flex. So McCaffrey went. I took McCaffrey at one. Mahomes went two, and then Kamara went three ahead of Dalvin Cook. So I think it's partly the injury uh, questions that you have there. That's part of the reason that you would put Kamara over Cook. But I mean, he has Kamara has probably the best other than McCaffrey, like the best floor in football because he's going to catch like probably 100 passes this year. I think he'll finally get over his eight, like his his year-long streak <laughs> of what is it, 81 catches every mm-hmm. single year. I think he probably goes over that this year just because, you know, as much as Marquez Callaway has looked good in the preseason, he's still probably closer to, you know, an average, in a best-case scenario, an average starting receiver. And that is leaps and bounds over everything else they have in that offense. Everything's breaking totally right for Kamara these last couple of weeks. I mean, uh, you do disagree, P. Now, well, let's wonder in week two or week three when Jameis Winston is coming off a three interception game and Sean Payton is nebulous all week about who his starting quarterback is, and then Taysom uh, Taysom Hill is going to be hard to kill off. Okay, it's a fair point. Taysom Hill is going to be like Tony (laughs) Soprano, where it's like even when Tony Soprano is in a coma, you know he's not going to die. Yeah, you know Taysom Hill will not die. Yeah, well, at some point there will be a a very nebulous ending to. to Taysom Hill's NFL career, I feel like just there, like there was a spoiler alert, a very nebulous ending to the right. Sopranos. There. Don't stop believing. They'll be playing. Don't stop believing. They'll be in the New Jersey diner somewhere. <laughs> guy in a members only jacket. People are still arguing about that ending. I want to touch really quickly on Jonathan Taylor. I like Jonathan Taylor, but they have a decent pass catching back in, in Hines. They have Marlon Mack coming back for some kind of role. I don't know how healthy the offensive line is. I know they're whistling a happy tune about it. 
And while I think Carson Wentz is, if he's ever going to be fixed, it's going to be with Frank Reich. They obviously had the great history in Philadelphia. Uh, Wentz was going to win the MVP, if not injured in that December of that year against the Rams. But I think Carson Wentz could be a negative. I think he could be a below average quarterback. And when you take a first round running back, you're investing in the entire infrastructure of the team and the offense. And this Colts offense makes me very nervous. It's a case of Taylor is one of those guys where I like the player. I don't like the situation. Kind of how I feel about Swift. Uh, in Detroit, I like Taylor. I'm worried about the Colts situation. He's number 11 on my running back board. I probably won't get him. And it's no comment on him. It's a comment on everything around him. Yeah, I definitely think Wentz is, Wentz is a negative. No question about that. But I think people are over-worrying over about his workload. I mean, Marlon Mack is supposedly running behind Jordan Wilkins in his return from Achilles right now. I mean, and Taylor was surprisingly... I mean, he's a really good receiver. He just has not used yeah. this one as such yet. But I think it's all there for the, for the taking. I, I think Jonathan Taylor absolutely could be the consensus number one fantasy pick on boards next year. And I wouldn't bat an eye there. Yeah, I definitely think that's within the range of outcomes. And he's just he's just a bit polarizing. But I'm, I'm very comfortable with him around the turn. Um, and maybe that means just like Scott, I might not get him. But I mean, the thing with, we're talking about everything that has gone wrong could go wrong for has gone wrong for the Ravens. Same thing with the damn uh, Colts and Carson Wentz too. That has not been a happy marriage so far. The beat writers are already ready to kick his ass out of town for the whole vaccine thing. So uh, we'll see we'll see how this season goes for Carson Wentz. But let's move on to wide receivers. Um, I'll start. I've got Stefan Diggs at one. I know there's been some knee uh, issues over the offseason. Don't really care too much about that. Look, I, maybe it's just the fact that I've been waiting for uh, a year where I could justify ranking Stefan Diggs at the top of the board. And finally, I think you've got the case this year. But it comes back to not just the way we talked about the Bills offense and the way they're pass heavy. Um, they structure things really well. I think he's still going to see a dominant target share there. You know, guys like Gabe Davis, I'm not worried about having some kind of big breakout season. Manny Sanders, Cole Beasley. Um, there's no real threat to Diggs' huge target share from last year. And. I like the fact that you can take him confidently knowing that there's actually, unlike other guys, you know, and some these are superstar players, so we're like nitpicking here, but unlike guys like Devontae Adams or even Tyreek Hill who have, you know, some sort of potential, you, you could make an argument that they have like touchdown regression coming their way. Diggs only scored on 4.8% of his targets last year. So like he actually has a huge case that he could score even more touchdowns this year, which is why, um, I uh, basically think that there's a good case he could be the number one receiver this year. Find yourself something you love in life as much as Matt Harmon loves Stephon Diggs. That that <laughs> good luck, good that luck, <laughs> listener is your is your goal for the 2021 NFL season. I go Hill Adams Diggs in a tier uh, at the top, but I'm not. If I were co-managing a team and somebody wanted to take Adams or Diggs first, I wouldn't argue over it. And my biggest takeaway with these guys, and even when you get to the second tier of receivers, is I want you to have the best receiver room in your league. Even if you take a running back in the first or second round, I think you can still do it. And this idea that, oh, no, I'll just get by with wide receiver 47 and wide receiver 53. I like yeah, those no. guys. Well, I, you know, I like those guys, too. But you're not going to know when to start them. And when they have a 15-yard game, you're going to be nervous about that. So get low bully receiver. I want you to have three or your first four or five picks to definitely be receivers who start themselves. I go Hill Adams Diggs. But I'm not, you know, at all dug in on that. I think all three of them belong in the first round. No, no pushback from Diggs here. But uh, I'm actually really close to putting Ridley my number one. He's my one mm. A. The guy averaged 50 more air yards than the next highest without Julio last year. And now you have Arthur Smith. But it's hard not ranking Devontae Adams number one. The dude saw the most targets inside the 10-yard line since Randy Moss in like 2002 last year. And he yeah. missed two games. <laughs> I mean, they, they use him as essentially a goal line back. So it's just unfair. So I, I, I can't not rank Adams at number one, no matter how contrarian I want to be. 
I was going to ask, that was going to be my next question is I feel like we're all, there's a consensus around the industry that the top tier is Diggs, Adams and Hill in whatever order you want to put it. But uh, my question was going to be like, is there anyone that's close to popping into that tier? I'm glad you said Ridley, Ridley Dalton. Sure, Ridley, it's yeah. got to be Ridley, Ridley because what's, what are the odds he leads the NFL in targets this year, you know, in an offense that's still going to have to throw the ball a lot uh, because their defense is, is still, I mean, that personnel on their, on their defense is hideous to look at still, still even after the Dan Quinn era has ended. Um, I think they're going to have to throw a lot. At, we know that that offense with Arthur Smith, the way he's called plays, has been very efficient in Tennessee. So we could see like a 180-target season from Calvin Ridley, and, and he's 100% a baller enough to make good on that workload. It also makes me want to throw up that I don't have more DK Metcalf than I do. I think DK Metcalf could have like a 19 touchdown season. He He's still figuring out how to play receiver. He's been getting by on his freakish athleticism and size. Imagine if he just gets a little bit more technically sound. And, and I'm curious what how he graded out in reception perception. Again, the coordinator change. I think Russell Wilson is still r- very close to the peak of his powers. It doesn't run the ball as much at the goal line, too. So there's probably more touchdowns in a very narrow target tree in Seattle as well. I, DK Metcalf is a guy. When, I, a lot of times I'm in the middle of the late second round, and I see Metcalf near the top of the board. I have to last like three or four more picks, and I know he's never going to get to me. But yet I hope yeah. anyway. And then he, somebody else takes him. I I got to get some salary cap drafts and just overpay for Metcalf because I need more of that guy on my teams. I uh, co-sign everything you said, Scott. Like he's much better as a separator and as a technician already than he gets credit for. But there's still so much room to grow with the player. And I, you know, I just pu- published an article earlier this week of like kind of checking the box for everybody for the three things that I look for in terms of like who is going to be the number one receiver um, in football last year. When shout out to me, I predicted Devonte adams was going to be that again here's a little back bat for myself on that one but um <laughs> you know you, you look for basically three pillars there and you, you do- dominant target share efficient offense efficient quarterback and verifiably good at football dk metcalf check 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 on that so i bumped him up to five just behind ridley and there would be no hesitation i think to t- i would i took him in the second round in a draft just recently and i, I would absolutely do that there all right let's move to tight ends here i another boring one Kelsey, right? So let's. I think we all. All is everybody go? No. Kelsey, Waller, Pitts, or uh, uh, Kittle. But we have a 49er fan on the podcast, so he's going to derail everything. Uh, Trey, Trey Lance will be the MVP of the league by the time this podcast is over. Kittle's actually my tight end four man. He's just I love the guy, and he's the best oh, real wow. life tight end okay. without without wow. question. Like their their yards per carry is a one point five higher over the last two years with him on versus off the field. But he just he's good to miss two to four games. I mean, he just plays recklessly, and and he's just he's very physical. Um, I have Waller as my number one tight end, and I don't get why that's like crazy wow. controversial because. That he matched Kelsey's second half last year. He's three years younger. He finished third in target share in the NFL among receivers last year. He And that was before the Raiders lost their number one wide receiver. They play indoors. They put him in bubble wrap all the preseason because he's their only, their offensive centerpiece. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think I'm not trying to be like different or compare ADPs. I think Waller is a better chance of outscoring Kelsey this year, who was allergic to touchdowns before last year, by the way, too. And is, he's played into February the last two years. And he's now what in his, in his low 30s so i don't even get why that's like crazy controversial i think that's a total coin flip between those wait two. a minute was it waller allergic to touchdowns in his first yep, breakout season and then last year he only had yeah. seven i want to say which is fine you still get a ride with Derek carr he's gonna have to take the brunt of defensive attention now because waller is treated like a jumbo receiver i worry about that less than maybe it might push me off tj hawkinson who i would otherwise like but that wide receiver room in detroit is so terrible 
Um, but I, I think you still have to go with Kel. I mean, with Kelsey been first or second five straight years, I think one 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 two one is his rankings. I mean, Floor has to come come into this to some degree too. As far as Kittle, I want to give you guys just this. I don't know where this was going to fit in the show. I'll just say it here. I think the 49ers this year are going to be the widest gap between a great real-life team and a really frustrating fantasy team because I think they're going to run a a lot. I think at some point Lance may get on the field, but he may not be starting. It may be a package thing. I don't know who their most targeted receiver is going to be. Kittle's yet to have a big touchdown season. I love the way he competes. I love the way he plays every snap like it's his last, but sometimes maybe he should pull back and— and maybe yeah. pace himself a little bit. Although, look, injuries can happen at any time. I love George Kittle. I think that we're going to look up and say, wow, the Niners are 12 and three, and all they've done is, is frustrate me for fantasy because I'm picking the wrong running back weekly. I've, I've missed out on, on the right week to, to play Debo or the right week to play Ayuk. You know, why does Kittle only have four touchdowns? I think they're going to be a pain in the neck, even though I think they're one of the four or five best teams in football. I mean, get the shot glass out because I say it every podcast. Getting the 49ers right is the key to figuring out fantasy football this year. Drink. Take the shot. Um, <laughs> I don't know that that was a shot glass, Scott, but I'll count it. Uh, but seriously, like that is within the range of outcomes. Exactly what you just said, which is, you know, that they're a really frustrating team. You know, maybe. And also, like if they're winning football games, how long is it going to take them to pull the ripcord out on Jimmy Garoppolo? Because, you know, part of drafting this year and we're going to talk about like late round quarterbacks at some point has been getting Trey Lance and waiting for him to start uh, while you know making it work with the bridge quarterback in the meantime but there is a scenario too where Garoppolo plays like nine games this year and if he doesn't get hurt if they're winning football like they're gonna there's definitely an Alex Smith uh, Patrick Mahomes ish scenario here that could take place where we just don't even see Trey Lance but again it's 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 like you said it's a wide gap a wide range of outcomes here um Dalton just because you're our 49ers fan here um I was a fake one for a year but you're our real 49ers fan here what what are where how are you treating this team especially and tell me this like with confidence because I have to write an article about it in like two hours <laughs> first of all Waller nine touchdowns last year and I'm not actually going to push back on PL about the, his Niners theory though because as much as it, it could be a headache especially if this quarterback situation turned into both seen time I mean I there's so much upside here. I mean, Mostert's last 17 games, including the playoffs, 1,536 yards and 16 touchdowns. And that's with him leaving half of those, like half the game. I mean, yeah. it, it's 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 wild. You can't project a lot of volume. That much is true, even though I do like Ayuk to emerge there among the receivers. It is tough to project volume in this offense, but the efficiency and, and the uh, talent yeah. and Shanahan and all that could be through the roof. And the fact that they project to face by far the easiest schedule and you look at Vegas win totals, I mean, that should help too in theory. So yeah, yeah, the Niners are definitely an interesting team, both in real life and in fantasy. And the playoff schedule, I'm somebody who thinks playoff schedule look-aheads is like one of the all-time sucker moves, but <laughs> the Niners are playing a schedule. You would think the NFL said, hey, Shanahan, just pick your opponents, Okay. And to everybody who says the counter to that, which I always say, which is, oh, do we even know if these teams are going to be bad? Yes, we know the Houston Texans are going to be bad. I can guarantee you that. They're going to be lousy. They're going to be in the, relegated to the CFL by November. So as long as that game isn't canceled, uh, the 49ers are going to put up – they're going to put up 49 against Houston. It's going to be a blowout. You're, you love, you're going to love this schedule. I, again, I'm not a strength of schedule guy, but when it comes to the 49ers – who on the Warren Sharp chart, they're totally isolated as the outlier. That's what you want with these things. You want outliers. The 49ers have an outlier, easy schedule. All right, love it. All right, let's move into some more categories here and start with 
best fantasy rookie besides Najee Harris. Like that's it's sort of like when uh, Zeke came into the league. It's like who's your best fantasy rookie? Uh, we can't say Zeke. That's too easy. I think Najee Harris is too easy as well. So uh, Dalton, why don't you tell me who is your second favorite rookie behind Najee Harris? So I know you have uh, ranked aggressively. Yeah, first of all, I'm beginning to think we may not get through this entire planned outline at, at our pace. Right no, here, it's, but, not, uh, it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fun rookies to talk about. Obviously, I want to talk about my two trays in the Bay, but I will just say I, I have Devonta Smith and Elijah Moore over Jamar Chase, but Kyle Pitts yeah, is the answer nice. here. Longest wingspan of any player in the NFL the last 20 years. I haven't ranked above my guy, George Brittle. Um, yeah, Kyle Pitts with Arthur Smith indoors, the only guy there. They don't have a running back. Was I'm George, just was George Brittle, was that, a, was that a Freudian slip or an intentional? No, um, that, it was, I say it with love, man. I say it with love. Okay. You're spending too much time with Chris Liss is what that is. I say um, it with love, yeah. Man, thanks for leaving Javante Williams for me. He's going to be the guy who wins Ooh, your league for you. He's going to be Denver's starting running back sooner rather than later, and certainly by the second half of the year at, at the point where we'll be like, well, Melvin Gordon is still here. Oh, yeah, he had five carries last week. He's going to win you your league. You you get to the playoffs, Javante Williams will, will win your league for you. There are some beat writers that are absolutely insistent that um, you know Melvin Gordon is still is the starter and will be the starter all year. But I agree with you, Scott, that this is like a Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb scenario with that year with the Browns. Which, by the way, like this is one of those scenarios where you might not be the one that drafts Javante Williams, but you can still have him on your roster at the end of the year and like, and really benefit because you traded for him or, or a frustrated manager dropped him, whatever. So there is that. Uh, I will make the case though for Trey Sermon, uh, mostly because I think he's going to, from everything we've heard, uh, I just did a podcast with Kyle Posey who covers the Niners for Niners nation. He's been pretty bullish on Sermon being the one a of this committee and most importantly being the guy who's going to catch passes out of this backfield which is absolutely huge for his upside and again it comes back to i i fall on the side of like the 49ers are going to be a very efficient offense um normally we want to bet on volume for running backs receivers yada yada but i think that this could be a very special uh situation and maybe it's 2022 and like we're a year early on this on this team but i do think trey sermon where he's going in drafts right now and i don't even mind taking raheem mostert late if you don't take trey sermon early but i think sermon's gonna have a big year at the running back position for sure but dalton's right the answer is kyle pitts <laughs> thank you what an exciting rookie class though all four of these quarterbacks can yes. run for fantasy i mean this a unicorn tight end i mean all these receivers i mean Devonta smith could immediately be like the alpha there in philly i mean it's 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 uh it's it's interesting i, I the rookie class is really exciting all four of these quarterbacks how dare you ignore mac jones who has stormed yeah, the castle was... in new england to the point that cam newton was deemed former mvp cam newton was deemed expendable how dare you dalton Scott, to be fair, to be fair, Dalton lived through like probably three or four months of total Mac Jones trauma. He's going to be really good. He's going to be really good on the Patriots now. And I'm going to look like an idiot. He couldn't have just gone to some doomed franchise to fail. But now he's on the Patriots, Harmon. I'm going to regret all that, me me worrying about getting him because he's going to have an awesome career now, I'm convinced. Again, it's it's okay. You lived through like weeks of an onslaught from national media, like projecting him to be the guy, which would have been like, I love his setup in New England and I like where they took him in the first round i think mac jones is going to be really good for this team uh but yeah it's okay I, i'm endorsing dalton uh you know ignoring mac jones like sometimes to be therapeutic about things you got to push it out of your mind for a little bit i'm also glad for the first time in 17 years dalton isn't advocating that we bet on jimmy garoppolo to win nfl mvp <laughs> i'm not I even sure he's the most is- handsome quarterback in the nfl anymore i mean you know i think brady is actually caught up to garoppolo and passed him again well, to be fair, Brady is aging backwards, so that is nice. Uh, you know, money buys a lot of good things. We'll just leave it at that.
Let's move on to the team that will bring the most value. And by that, I mean like a cheap team, you know, where you can get a lot of guys late um, that could end up being like a big surprise for your fantasy team. And I'll, I'll start here because I think it could be, I think it could be the Jets. <laughs> I think it, I think the Jets could be a sneaky source of like late round fantasy value across the board. You know, I don't really know how the running back situation is going to break out, but um, maybe Tevin Coleman has a few games. Maybe Michael Carter is sort of like the poor man's Javante Williams where he's the guy at the end of the year. But Corey Davis is still a draft value, still a guy that is going to just – he's going to see 100 targets for where he's going, and he's a fine starting receiver. I, I think Elijah Moore is going to be a special player. And Zach Wilson – um, in the Team Huevos Invitational that we're all in, I have him as my second quarterback in the super in the Superflex spot, and I actually think I feel pretty comfortable about that. He's looked great this preseason too. I'm so glad you mentioned Corey Davis. We we may not get to most disrespected wide receiver because you know we're, we're we're all giving long winded answers. I'm looking at myself when I say that. Shock, yeah. Corey no, Davis, you're in good is, company. <laughs> Corey Davis is my most rostered player right now. He's been nice. a screaming value, and to pick him is to say that I believe that. Wilson is going to be good right away, which I do. And I think this is going to be a fun team. I think Ty Johnson's been a nice – look, it's going to be a committee, but I think Ty Johnson has as good a chance as anybody in this backfield to lead it in carries. And so much of fantasy value is tied up to what running back gets the ball. I think the Jets are going to be like a competitive 7-10 and 10 team. I don't think they're going to be a punching bag at all. And, of course, they all get the post-Adam Gase bump, which we all love. I also want to say that I'm not giving up on, on Sam Darnold in Carolina. I, when I saw this question, I didn't realize it had to be necessarily on a, on a discount. So I wrote down the Seahawks. Now, look, you're going to have to pay sticker for the Seahawks. Metcalf's a second-round pick. I think you should smash Lockett in the fourth round if you can get him. I'd even consider yeah. him in the third round. I'm targeting Russell Wilson where he falls. Chris Carson has been a very reliable fantasy player. And we know that their value, you know, Everett's not a bad tight end. But their value is going to be locked into four players. And that's what I love with yeah. fantasy, where we know where the ball's going. We know who's going to score the touchdowns. I feel confident we can do that with Seattle. So I, I have a lot. I'm overweight on Seahawks. I misread it, too. And I was going to say Cowboys. So I legit think they have a chance to finish with a top three fantasy QB, top three fantasy running back, top five fantasy wide receiver, and then two others in the top 30. But I'll, I'll say more value Denver. P&L mentioned Devontae Williams. Everyone loves Judy. Um, but there's also Sutton and Fant is getting discounted now. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is an interesting uh super flex option uh, with those receivers and that Denver Broncos defense might have the best roster in football. And they're just like not even getting drafted as a top 10 fantasy D too. So for value, I, I'll, I'll turn to Denver. Let me go one B too. I have to say something nice about the Washington football team. I'll take any yeah. of their players where they fall. And I know McLaurin has gotten pricier and pricier. I thought I was going to have all the McLaurin than most of the McLaurin. Now I only have some of the McLaurin and it drives me crazy. I'm so, when I saw he was working with Doug Baldwin, who's one of my all time favorite players, and it's just see how badly McLaurin wants to maximize his ability and become, I mean, he's going to be next year. I want him to be the cover boy for reception perception that, you know, the best route oh, running in the NFL, the most improved skill is. technician is Terry McLaurin. I know you already like him, so I don't know how much room there is for him to maybe grow in your eyes, but I love the number WFT. five last year. So we're pretty close from 2020 number five. So we're pretty close, Scott bet on them to win the division. It's Dallas is not the best team here. The giants. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if we're going to do the situation to avoid. I can just say pretty much anything on the giants other than Sterling Shepard, a cost. The WFT is going to win this division for the second straight year. 
I, I love that call. And um, both good, all good answers, high value teams, low value teams. So we, we, we were very balanced in that. We balanced each other out here, clearly, with the, my nebulous categories here for picking this, uh, picking on this show. I am interested to hear this one, though. Uh, I'm going to jump to running back to rise out of the, quote, dead zone. I mean, this has been like a talk about drink whenever you hear people talk about it. The running back dead zone has been one of the um, – like poster phrases for fantasy analysts and fantasy Twitter in the off season. I want to hear from you guys though. Cause look, we get stuff wrong literally all the time. Right. So from the kind of, you know, running back dead zone ish players, you know, the Deandre Swifts, the Josh Jacobs, the Mike Davis, uh, Kareem hunt, you know, all the, you know who I'm talking about when I'm talking about these dead zone running backs, who is your pick? Scott to be the guy that rises out of that dead zone and makes like all of these people that have hammered wide receivers from three to eight and never looked back look like idiots. I think James Robinson has the highest upside of a player who I would give a dead zone tag to, but the player who I'm rostering the most commonly is Mike Davis because I look at everything behind him. I mean, they're, they're just two running backs behind to get to a, a guy who isn't even a running back in, in Corderell Patterson. Uh, Allison, I have no faith in. Yeah, I think Atlanta will probably sign one of the more interesting vets who got cut or they'll, they'll add somebody there. But Davis is going to be on the field. And he was, what, 75 or 80% of McCaffrey last year? I know he didn't play well at the end of the season. I know he's 28. I know he's a journeyman. I know he's been you know shoveled out of town by, like, it feels like half the league. But just being on the field and getting opportunity is a huge part of figuring out running back value so i'm a davis is a polarizing guy i know a lot of people won't go near him i am overweight on davis and i think what he's going to be running back 12 running back 14 he's not going to win your league or anything but i think you'll be glad you have him based on what the price was dalton what about you so the same 14 running backs go in pretty much 99.9 percent of fantasy leagues so anyone outside of that i would consider this running back dead zone and i settled my 15th back is chris carson hasn't played a full season in his career but seattle loves him uh there's an unsettled backup situation. I just think he's going to be treated as a workhorse like those other backs that go ahead of him when on the field. And we talked about how much we like that offense. So normally not really my kind of guy. I'm normally like the young up-and-comer. But Carson even baked in the two to three missed games. I've kind of settled in him there. Mike Davis is fascinating because the situation is so right there. And then, but can the player execute there? And, and Damian Harris is one I want to throw in there. Just I love. I know he doesn't catch any passes, but um, he's moving up into this area and I'm loving it with Mac Jones taking over in, in New England with such a strong offensive line. And I know Stevenson's looked so impressive in the preseason, but I'm a Damian Harris guy. Yeah. J.J. Taylor's looked pretty good too. He's going to have a role on this team. Yeah, no, but I love Damian Harris call. That's a good one. Uh, there's a scenario too where he could score like eight to 10 touchdowns this year now that Cam Newton is gone. And uh, I like that a lot. What I know, he this is like the most dead zone of dead zone running backs. What about Josh Jacobs? I think there's a scenario too where the Raiders have a good offense. They were pretty efficient last year and they just – don't bother like what what is Kenyon Drake going to do on this team like is he actually going to do anything on this team I think there's a scenario too where they just don't even like they paid him this stupid contract and it doesn't work out which is kind of the John Gruden way with the Raiders at this point um and he doesn't really have a role I know Jacobs is never going to be a huge pass catcher but I do think I kind of think he's like a little bit more disrespected than he should be the fact that they tore down their offensive line for really no reason um, is troubling, but I think that uh, overall, Davis, uh, excuse me, Jacobs has a better path to relevancy than currently he's being drafted at. I love that the, a, a dog's barking in the background. That means that Saquon yeah, Barkley is going to be in the running back dead zone next year after <laughs> oh, a totally no. lost 2021. So there's your foreshadowing. Here's for the Raiders, okay? 
Do I want to bet with John Gruden? No. Do I want to bet in that offensive line? No. Kenyon Drake is at least taking any receiving upside away from Jacobs. And who knows? Maybe if Drake has a couple of you know nifty catches, maybe they'll think, oh, okay, we'll give him another series on offense, let him run the ball. Josh Jacobs might as well not be on my cheat sheet. I, I'm not considered, even when he slips around, it's like, oh, wow, he's a good value here. I'm still talking myself out of it because I'm not betting on that offensive line. And I'm not, I'm at the point where I, you know, Darren Waller is great. Darren Waller is too big to fail. But I'm not, if John Gruden likes it, I don't like it. I'm not betting on anything that has anything to do with John Gruden. <laughs> I'm more yeah. with PL here. I believe Jacobs, I, I saw, has just one career target on third downs. But I will say this. He's getting totally disrespected for a guy who had 12 touchdowns last year and got all finished top three in red zone carries. I think Kenyon Drake actually was top five in in goal line carries as well, so that's interesting. But yeah, he's no good. Uh, I, mean, I overdrafted him last year. I was guilty of that. Drake hate the Drake. Um, but Jacobs, um, yeah, I'm more with P and out here in the Raiders in that offensive line situation. But um, hey, man, the guy a guy could get double digit touchdowns quite quite easily again. When you draft a two down grinder. Don't you have to believe that the team can be a playoff contender? Everybody thinks they're going to go six and eleven, right? Yeah. I mean, it's he's not a super game dependent. Uh, yeah, totally game dependent, game script dependent, and the Raiders are favored, you know, in like five games this year, so that could be a problem. It would be nice if the Raiders could figure out their damn defense, uh, but their solution to figuring out the damn defense was let's hire Gus Bradley. Like the the wrong idea, uh, basically, into how to like you should fix your defense in the year twenty twenty one. So, listen, just make it a case. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not drafting Josh Jacobs either. I'm with you guys, but um, I think there is a scenario for him. I, but like the guys you mentioned, much more Mike Davis, uh, Damian Harris, um, obviously Chris Carson and James Robinson, I think are, are pretty good bets as well. So let's move to a uh, late round QB difference maker. And I'll, I'll set this category up by kind of saying that in years past, you know, there was basically like the guy that you could target like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen last year, or Kyler Murray, when he came into the league where it's like, this guy's going to have access to a rushing floor that basically he'll moonwalk into the top 12 or top 10 quarterbacks. As long as he plays a full season because of his rushing upside. Now, the player this year would be Jalen Hurts, but he is priced into that top tier of like QB one range already. So he, I don't think he really counts. But he's that guy this year. Justin Fields would be that guy. Trey Lance would be that guy. But we don't have any confidence in terms of when those guys are going to start. So I'm teeing this up as like, who is going to be the late round QB difference maker that you can take in the double digit rounds, round 10s or or round 10, 11, 12, something like that, and actually ends up becoming a quarterback one? Because it's just tougher this year with the guys that have rushing upside are either priced in already or they have so many questions about when they're actually going to play. And, and Scott, I'll start with you. Well, we know Trevor Lawrence is playing. Now that Gardner Minshew has been shipped out of town, that quarterback, you know, uh, battle has been settled. Every NFL what a team barn burner that competition was. <laughs> Every NFL team should want Minshew, though, as a backup. I think he's a perfect backup with a little, just a little twinge of upside, but you probably want him holding the clipboard. You know, the fans will like him. He's got great hair. I'm, I'm a Minshew guy, a Minshew sympathizer. But Lawrence has enough athleticism and running ability. He's put... We'll see how the Urban Meyer thing works out and some of the coaching issues they have on that staff. But there's a lot of talent on the outside in the slot, right? I mean, I think we all like Chenault. Chark just two years ago was a really good player. Marvin Jones has been kind of the poster child of the, the un- underappreciated receiver everywhere he goes. And, oh, wow, Marvin Jones scored eight touchdowns again. Just a good football player. James Robinson's a good football player. And the Jaguars last year, they actually should have won two more games by their Pythagorean. I don't think they're the lost cause that they're made out to be. 
I'm, I'm drafting Trevor Lawrence proactively. And I said earlier how much I love the WFT. I think Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick still might have three or four rushing touchdowns in him, even though he's like 117 years old and all the pieces around him. He has a running back I love, a receiver I love, and a tight end I love. And finally, after going to the playoffs with those horrible quarterbacks last year, it's great that Alex Smith returned, but he shouldn't have been playing. Dwayne Haskins shouldn't have been playing. Kyle Allen shouldn't have been playing. Yeah, Taylor Heineke is actually kind of interesting. But uh, for a late-round quarterback, give me Lawrence or give me Fitzpatrick. Uh, the pride of Old Dominion University, Taylor Heineke. We will always uh, we'll always take a little bit of hype there. But Dalton, Where did what Fitzpatrick about you? go to college? Does anybody know? Not, not sure. Not sure. I don't know if it's ever been mentioned. <laughs> I'm drafting Trey Lance as a top 15 guy. Of course and you Fields are. Not far, not far behind. <laughs> so I don't think they really count. Um, he's getting drafted as such in the big money drafts too, uh, NFFC. So yeah. I'm not exactly going out on a limb there. So I'll go a little deeper. I, I think Mayfield's going to match uh, Joe Burrow a couple rounds later, but I'm going to actually swing for the fences a little higher and go even deeper with Daniel Jones coming up just a disgusting season. But oh, you know, he boy. was playing through. He was playing through a hamstring injury that you know maybe he shouldn't have been, and he had those big games as a rookie season because he does run and they added Galladay. I said, I'd rather listen to Kenny G than draft him at ADP, but he's still there <laughs> and he helps. But I, I Daniel Jones what a, what runs. A, bury the lead. He quietly runs and his rookie year. He had like four games with 25 plus points, fantasy points or some, some number like that. There was a marker of uh, uh, so if we're looking for a late round guy, who's free um, Daniel Jones. I know it's ugly though. I demand, I'm going to write to Andy Barron's FSWA president right after this podcast and demand that Dalton Del Don immediately be given an FSWA award for saying he'd rather listen to Kenny G than draft Kenny G. That's the funniest thing I've heard all summer. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's I, good. <laughs> that's, that was well that's done. That's what you get. That's um, what you get on the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast. I, you know, I hope this becomes a, a drop quote because uh, that's Dalton Del Don at his finest. You can't find you can't find this stuff anywhere else, folks. That's why you subscribe. That's why you listen every day basically during the regular season to echo a couple points here. Like typically when you're looking for these breakout guys in the later rounds, you don't want to go for the high volume passers uh, like a Ben Roethlisberger last year or something like that. You want to go for, and even this is why I have questions about Joe Burrow. Like we're all on Joe or not all. I'm not going to put you guys into this and I'm actually not in on this either, but a lot of folks are in on Burrow and the Bengals offense because it's going to be so voluminous, which that's great for the receivers, but doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a lot of efficiency for Burrow there. But the guys that you brought up, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're probably not going to come close to leading the NFL in pass attempts, especially because Fitzpatrick plays with a great defense. But I expect great efficiency as passers out of both of those guys, which is why they would have been on my radar. I don't know that this guy makes the case here, uh, but Tua, I think, is also in consideration because they're not trading for Deshaun Watson, right? Like, that's not happening. I, I just cannot uh, – maybe I'm going to look like an idiot in two weeks or something when some team does the dumbest thing of all time and trades for that guy. But, like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to ride with Tua this year. They don't have a backup that I'm really threatened by. you know. I, and I think he got a lot of flack for a slower rookie season coming off a devastating injury. And overall, I just love the way they upgraded this offense. And I think Tua looked pretty good as an over-the-middle passer. I think he can like matriculate the offense down the field with some of these guys like Waddle and Fuller who can actually get open. And I'm not a big Devontae Parker guy, but he's at least like an average starting receiver in the NFL. Having three average to above average receivers on this team is a huge difference from what they were rolling out last year, which was basically like a third quarter of a preseason game squad that Tua was working with. And, and he actually has a little bit of scrambling upside as well. So um, give me Tua among the non-obvious breakout late round quarterbacks. I think that could be 
a pretty big difference maker. Let's do one or two more categories so that I don't get fired off my role on FFL uh, by being super late to a rehearsal. But let's go with an actual breakout tight end because, you know, we talked about top tier guys. Everybody wants to find a late round quarterback that breaks out every year. We all talk ourselves into four or five guys. Um, Scott, who's a late round tight end that we could actually, you know, maybe see finish within the top eight of the position, surprisingly? Well, the first thing you have to accept is that the year Kittle broke out or the year Mark Andrews broke out, I don't see anything close to that on this year's board. The best value play that I see, and when I say value, I'm hoping this guy can maybe get 670 yards and five to seven touchdowns is Dan Arnold in Carolina. I'm not giving up Mm. on Sam Darnold, who's still younger than Joe Burrow, last I checked. Had everything go wrong. Not only was Adam Gase the worst person for for Darnold, but he had Jeremy Bates as his offensive coordinator before that. I don't think Jeremy Bates has worked in football since the Jets let him go. Probably, probably a heck of a guy, great neighbor, you know, great canasta partner, but he shouldn't be running a football team. I love the fresh start for Darnold. And even though there's plenty of that receiver room's really good, I, I think they're going to have three really playable fantasy receivers with Marshall stepping into the slot. But I think Arnold's going to have a very sneaky five to seven touchdowns. And you maybe 600-plus yards. He's going to be a value where he goes. A good idea if you lose your tight end early or if you're in a league with his tight end premium scoring, he should be rostered everywhere. Yeah, uh, tight ends only drew 7.8% of the targets last year in Carolina. Maybe that is an Ian Thomas problem uh, and not just a the way they're going to design offense. I think Arnold is like a deep, deep name that is a great call there. Uh, Dalton, what about you? I had a better answer for the most disrespected wide receiver question you skipped over. But for tight end, I'll give you... I'll come, I'll come back okay. to it. I'll right. come back to it. We'll, nice. we'll end on that one. Oh, now I hyped it. So now, now, I, now I have some... Uh, yeah, now that you Ger- hyped yourself, uh, you better deliver. Ken- yeah, Kendrick Bourne has <laughs> totally. been disrespected. We all agree. Let's just move on. <laughs> Gerald, Gerald... Well, another Niner, yeah. Gerald Everett uh, joining his fellow tight ends coach to following him to, to Seattle. He could break out there. And then I'll go even deeper. Juwan Johnson, if for the only reason to highlight how Yahoo, he's now tight end eligible. Thank God. Uh, get get those tweets out of here with the Juwan Johnson eligibility. Marcus Colson 2.0. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, I think that is the deepest like player eligibility. Um, let's say complaint that we've that we've gotten before. And I'm going to be nice and say complaint. Nobody on complains. That one. Um, I I would pick Everett as the guy that definitely I think qualifies here. He would have been like the obvious kind of favorite pick for me. Um, and I'm not giving up on Anthony Ferkster though. Uh, in Tennessee, I know he's probably not going to play like the juiciest fantasy role. Uh, but still a lot of room for targets on that team. And I think the fact that you can get him so late is an op is a great uh, situation as well. And also would want to mention Tyler Conklin in Minnesota. They seem to really like Tyler Conklin. I know they traded for um, Chris Herndon, but like, give me a break with the whole Chris Herndon thing. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Tyler Conklin was kind of in role in line for a role anyways, pre Irv Smith injury. And now without Irv there, I think Conklin could end up being a surprising guy as well. So those are some late round tight ends, but Dalton, you hype this most disrespected wide receiver prediction. Uh, and I, think this is a good place to end it. So, Dalton, you better deliver here, buddy. What, what's the pick? It's Robbie Anderson. Dude was seventh in target share last year, and he goes rounds behind DJ Moore. I know everyone loves DJ Moore, the film guys. I know. The dude had two catches in the red zone last year. Yeah, I, know Terrace Ma- I know Terrace Marshall looks really good, but now Robbie Anderson has his old quarterback that they had a good rapport and Darnold-like peppered him in, in red zone targets because I think the TD variants will change with Anderson, who's big. He's like, it's fine a red zone target. Again, seventh in target share overall last year, and yet is available three, four rounds behind his teammate. So Robbie Anderson gets no respect. 
I haven't done the math, but I'm sure Robbie Anderson's probably one of my three or four most commonly rostered receivers. He's been sixth-round auto-pick for me. We mentioned Corey Davis earlier, who I think is a great answer to this question. And even though I I think the Giants are a toxic offense, I I understand why Dalton mentioned Jones earlier, because he's going to run the ball. He may be a guy who has a terrible season but has a good fantasy season. I think Sterling Shepard has a legitimate path to lead this team in receptions. We can't count on Evan Ingram. We already dissed Kenny Galladay earlier. Shepard's a good football player. I just hope he can get a little bit of injury luck. Everybody's injury risk in the NFL where you're one hit away from your career being over. I think Shepard, I'm waiting for the 80 catch season. I'm hoping maybe it's this year and you have to draft him as a bench player. I prefer to draft a team where my receivers start themselves. I'm going to draft Shepard as a bench wait and see kind of guy, but I think he's been a great value. I also like Jacoby Myers. I don't think he's necessarily disrespected. He may be a little bit too trendy of a sleeper now, but um, anyway, just some names that I think Corey Davis is probably the biggest name I would mention, although I think Robbie Anderson was a great pick too. Yeah, I mean, I could have gone with Deontay Johnson here. I could have gone with Michael Gallup. I could have gone um, for a number of different directions, but I, Jacoby Myers as well on my radar. But I was going to go with Sterling Shepard, Scott. I love, I still love Sterling Shepard. He's like an all-time outlier for me uh, in terms of like hasn't had the hit rate yet that I want. But I think this guy, I think he's good. I think he's so underappreciated as a route runner, as a separator. And I think he, there's absolutely a scenario where he's the most productive receiver on this team, especially because their offensive line still stinks. Like they're going to have to get the ball out quick. And, you know, maybe it won't be like the sexiest 80 catch, 90 catch season for Shepard, but that is absolutely within the range of outcomes. And let me tell you what, if he hits this year, if he has like a top 30 season, forget it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to retire. Like there, I, there's no more work left to be done. Evan Ingram's already hurt. I mean, well, of course. Targets will open up there too. Yeah, I'm in a fifteenth round of a best ball draft where I need a tight end, and I still don't want to draft Evan Ingram. No. What does that tell you? I I think it says all that you need uh, to know right there. All right, well that was it. We ran through a lot of stuff here in about fifty minutes. That was good stuff, guys. I appreciate it. This is going to be an awesome season. I'm so excited to, for the games to finally start, uh, for things to get rolling. It's crazy that it's so close. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the season snuck up on me more this year and like August draft time snuck up on me more than any other year. Oh yeah. So I can't believe it's already September, but I'm ready for the season to start. That's for sure. I think it went painfully slow, but that's just me. <laughs> well, ble- bless on you, Scott. That's good. But you've got others. You, you, unlike me, you focus on like other sports, both of you guys, which is uh, why you are studs. Yeah. When are we going to talk fantasy hockey sleepers and fantasy basketball <laughs> sleep? When do we get those into the Yahoo fantasy football forecast? Where's my hockey podcast? I'll bail. I'll bail out of here and let you just host a whole hour show by yourself talking uh, hockey sleepers. How does that sound? That sounds good. And let me give another promo to the the gambling pod I'm going to be doing with Frank. We're going to be doing picks. We're going to be doing props. We're going to be doing DFS suggestions. We're going to help you with your survivor pool. If you can put a couple bucks on it, Frank Schwab and I are going to help you do it better. Absolutely. I'm very excited uh, to listen to that podcast. I'm excited that you guys are doing it. Let's go. So exciting. The season is here. Make sure you're waiting to check out Scott's podcast. Make sure you're waiting to download that subscribe everything and meanwhile if you're on twitter make sure you're following at scott underscore pianowski at dalton del don and if you really want to hate your life hate your life follow at matt Harmon underscore byb and of course give at yahoo fantasy a follow to get all of the news and information all the great content that our entire team is working on season's almost here fellas it's getting close but until then we are out 
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.